0: An Honorable Profession is brought to you by Tech for America, an organization dedicated to providing a platform to solve America's toughest public challenges. For more information, visit t4a.org. That's t, the number four, a, dot org. Welcome to An Honorable Profession, a podcast giving America hope since 2018. your host, Ryan Coonerty, an honorable professions and New Deal podcast, an organization dedicated to supporting innovative policymakers and ideas to solve our most challenging problems. Check out newdealleaders.org ideas for policies that you can bring to your community. Please tell your friends about an honorable profession and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Today, our guest is St. Louis Treasurer Tashara Jones. Tashara will tell us how she uses her position to reduce parking tickets and increase college attendance. She'll also tell us what it's like to raise a child in the ultimate child care center, the state legislature. Tashara, like all our guests, is a New Deal leader. She's also a lot of fun to talk to. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Tashara, welcome to an honorable profession. Why don't we start with what leads a finance major into politics?
1: Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm honored to be here and uh, I was raised in politics. My father was the, uh, well, termed out as the comptroller of the city of St. Louis. Before that, he was an alderman. He ran for sheriff. He ran for committeeman. A whole host of things. He was city assessor, so politics is in my blood and my DNA. However, I didn't want to be a politician. I uh, just that kind of, avo- of
0: that was your That was your act of rebellion, as right? That, that was child. my <laughs>
1: act of rebellion as a as a, a young adult, uh, and avoided it most of my, most of my adult life. And um, got bit by the bug when I was asked to fill an unexpired term as a, a district committee woman. Um, in my ward and uh, met a lot of great people, saw politics as a way to really help people who need help. Um, And, uh, and here I am.
0: So were you out walking precincts as a child and doing all the, doing all that
1: stuff in envelopes when we still had to do that? Uh, You know, licking stamps before they were self-adhesive, um, I was, you know, helping out in, in campaign since I was three years old. So that's my earliest memory of being on a campaign. Wow.
0: Now, uh, you went to work in the state legislature. So tell me about your first run for office uh, and what that was like. And, and uh, was it any different than you thought it would be? Having grown up with it, you should have a pretty good idea. But was it different?
1: Oh, absolutely, because I ran, my first run for state rep was as a new mom. My son was three months old, oh my uh, and I'm a single mom, so uh, he was three months old when I kicked off my campaign. And How when I, did you do that? How is that possible? <laughs> By the grace of God. <laughs> um, I actually had decided not to run once I got pregnant. Uh, it was unexpected, and uh, I had a couple of friends who actually were male. Uh, convinced me that it was still uh, still an option that I could pursue. Uh, they kind of laid out a timeline for me uh, and said, "Oh, well, this is perfect. You'll have the baby in September two thousand seven, and filing isn't until February of two thousand eight. You can you can do this. You can take a few months off and and then get back on the trail in February. And that's exactly what I did with you know with my family behind me." Um, you know, helping a babysit. But I would literally, when I was knocking doors, when I was running for state rep, I would go pick up my son from daycare, I'd put him in his stroller, strap him in, give him a snack, and uh, we would go knock doors. But, you know, also what I learned is that babies get you votes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also people respect that, you know, what whatever station you're in, that you take the time to um, to knock on their door and to talk to them about why you're running and, and the importance in, of running. So Now,
0: is your son interested in politics or is he uh, rebelling like you did?
1: You know what? I think he is embracing his lineage. Okay. <laughs> uh, he told me the other day that uh, the two things he wants to do when he grows up, he says, Mom, I want to be an NBA player and then I'm going to run for president.
0: All right. <laughs> well, good. Let's hope that happens yeah. sometime soon. Uh, so... You went to work in the state legislature and with a young child. Talk about some of that those experiences. Um, you know, was it was it different than what you expected? Was it similar? How? challenging was it to move legislation that mattered to you?
1: So I also went into the House in the minority. So uh, there were about 74 Democrats, about 85 or so uh, Republicans. So it wasn't, you know, a super, a super minority. But my second term, it was a super minority. We only had about 50 or so uh, Democrats. And, um, and at the time, I was also elected as a system minority floor leader. So um, but I found that uh, if you concentrate on the things that you agree on, uh, you can still get some things done. And I got more things done when we were in the super minority than when we were just in a, you know, in a slight minority. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, because it's all its all about relationships. And, you know, unfortunately, the people see, you know, all of this uh, hyper partisanship going on on social media, but they don't see what happens uh, in the back rooms. They don't see what happens in the offices. And that's when people have the time to to build relationships. I, I tell everybody the story about how I would go and sit with my committee chairs um, and just ask them questions about the committee. I, I wouldn't ask a lot of questions in committee, but I would wait till after after committee to ask, you know, hey, what's this mean? And and how does this relate to, you know, X, Y, and Z? And they appreciated that because that gave them a chance to also mentor new legislators regardless of their party. And one of my committee chairs, uh, I'm still Still friends with to this day. Uh, his name is Kevin Wilson. He uh, represented Neosho, Missouri, and he was the committee chair of health policy. And, and normally what happens when a committee chair is terming out they will let the vice chair be over the committee, you know, for, for a session or so. And he let me actually chair the committee, um, which is, you know, totally unheard of in a, you know, in a, in a hyper-partisan environment. But we still keep in touch. I actually hired him when I was treasurer because he has a consulting firm uh, doing HR. So I knew that he would be objective when it came to, you know, looking at my office and how we were doing things. He's a mentor of mine to this day.
0: Wow. So, I mean, that this is sort of... Breaking news because you have Missouri, which is a swing state. It's, it's I see, think
1: Missouri's deep red now. Deep red, given <laughs> up. All right, um, yeah. but it's
0: uh, but you know it's all rough and tumble politics. Um, but you were able to build bridges across uh, across not only a partisan divide, but, you know, you have urban-rural divides, right. you have suburban divides, right. uh, and so you were able to build bridges in the legislature.
1: Right. I sought out um, uh, relationships with people who were in districts that were totally unlike mine because I didn't know what the rural struggles were, so I wanted to learn. Um, and as a result, you know, I still have friends on both sides, uh, on the rural side, um, who are still friends to this day when I go back to Jeff City to visit. And- Uh, What were
0: some of your priorities when you were in the legislature that you were able to move forward?
1: So education was a huge priority. We have charter schools in Missouri, and at the time they were only allowed in St. Louis and Kansas City. And also they didn't have um, a lot of accountability. Uh, We had charter schools that were absolutely failing our students. Um, Schools that were only 5% of the students were testing um, proficient on uh, on our standardized tests. Um, And so I co-sponsored a bill um, to bring up the uh, standards for for charter schools, but also to to provide a clear pathway out uh, to be able to close charter schools when they're not performing. Um, and even though at the end uh, my name wasn't anywhere on the bill, everybody knows that that was my bill. And and that's you know it's it's a thing about ego too. I didn't care if my name was on the bill or not. Everybody knew it was my bill. It was something that I was passionate about as a young mother, and also. Um, it mattered to me most that the work got done and, that the, and it made it across the finish line than my name being on something.
0: And how did you balance the demands of a legislative session with being a young mom?
1: I had a lot of help um, and the the legislature at least in my class the class of 2008 you know they helped raise uh, my son you know they, they called him the the, the house baby <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're amazed at how big he is now um, and you know nights where we would run late I would bring him to the floor um, he then that was allowed. Uh, and they would just pass them around or take them to their office and let them play um, because the Republicans had offices in a closer proximity to the floor than Democrats. Um, and uh, I had staff uh, who just totally adopted my son. Uh, my my staff person, my legislative assistant, and her husband. Um, my son now considers them his white godparents uh, or grandparents, actually. He calls them Nana Janet and Teapaw. <laughs> Um I expanded my village.
0: So yeah, you can build a family in politics. You can.
1: As well. You can.
0: So uh, so after serving two terms in the legislature, you moved to. County treasurer or city treasurer, right? uh, Which is uh, moving from a legislative branch to more of an executive position. Can you talk about that transition and what you see as the differences are for those who sort of don't follow uh, these sorts of differences in government. They're very different positions and very, very different approaches.
1: Very different. Uh, and then also moving from state to local um, was a huge shift. Uh, so the city treasurer in St. Louis is probably the most unique elected official in the country because not only do I have normal treasurer duties like investment and cash management and uh, process payroll, I'm also the city's parking supervisor. Um, so I... In
0: <laughs> so, uh, local, local government, parking is always the number one issue it no matter is. where you it, are in the country.
1: And it's the number one thing that pisses people off. Uh. Um, so uh, our parking division has over 7,700 7, 700 meters, uh, six garages and two surface lots. It also is uh, the parking tickets and parking policy uh, which is a little unique uh, but I decided to use my power for good and not evil and <laughs> um, that um, we did the necessary upgrades uh, to bring that department from what I say from the 19th century to the 21st century. We were collecting only coins. We didn't have smart meters. You couldn't pay for, with a credit card or app. Now you can do all of those things. And um, also, we take a, a, a portion of our residual revenue, and we it in the community. So we invested in financial empowerment initiatives, uh, such as helping people uh, restore their credit or improve their credit Um, we do a whole host of financial empowerment classes in the community and our largest program is the college kids children's savings account program which provides a $50 college savings account to every kindergartner entering a public school we're in our fourth year and we have over 13,000 children saving for college in the city of st. louis
0: Now, that's amazing. And we're we're just about to launch a college savings account based in part on your model uh, in my county. But uh, for the folks listening out there, $50 doesn't seem like much with the cost of college. Right. But. Tell people about why you do it and what the impacts uh, that the, all the studies have shown.
1: Right, uh, you're right. Accounts. $50 isn't a lot of money, but studies have shown it's not the, the size of the account, but the presence of the account that matters. And studies at Washington University in St. Louis um, have shown that children with uh, less than $500 saved are three times more likely to go to college and four times more likely to complete college than children without savings. And imagine what would happen to our... our this generation that we are that's in school now um, if they are taught from a young age uh, to save for college to save for things that they want to buy to delay gratification and then also those those lessons translate into families and how they handle their finances as well so we use this as a two generation strategy not only to give children something to aspire to, but also to help change families' economic behaviors and help their economic mobility. Yeah,
0: that that combination of uh, aspiring and expectation and yes. then the knowledge you gain about the power of savings, it, it's amazing that a small amount of money can have such a profound impact on not just the child, but the family.
1: Absolutely. It's the most rewarding program I've ever started.
0: Yeah. Now, I assume you get to meet with the kids and talk to them. Yes,
1: absolutely. We have uh, family savings nights at the credit union, which holds the accounts. Um, We use the credit union instead of the 529 program because we wanted people to have an option on how they deposit money into the accounts. And currently you can't deposit cash into 529s, but you can with a local credit union. And, and on our family savings nights, uh, we have—they're they're beautiful. The families from all tor- sorts of backgrounds, means, races come in to deposit money for their for their kids' accounts. We feed them pizza. We get them all hyped up, uh, and then we send them home. Yeah. <laughs> kindergartners still let you pick them up and hug them, you know. Unlike my 11-year-old son, who sometimes doesn't even want <laughs> to be around me. Um, and then, you know, we find that uh, you know it's it's a it's something that brings the community together. And what we're trying to do is make this a part of the fabric of our community, of fabric of the city.
0: And you've been a real leader and showing so many other places the way. So you're not only impacting lives in St. Louis, you're impacting lives across the country. Yes,
1: absolutely. Any city that calls us to ask us how we did it. We give them all of the information we have, our MOUs with the schools, um, our, uh, our MOUs with the banks, you know. So we try to let them just, you know, uh, adapt the program to their environment and let it roll.
0: And so you, you've been at the state level, you've been at the local level What's next for you? What do you What are you thinking? You made a run for uh, for mayor last year. Yes. Uh, we all we are all very excited and supported you. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think is next? In, is, is it politics? Is it out of politics?
1: Well, you know I'm really passionate about financial empowerment and the uh, promise that it has for not only St. Louis but our our country um, and how uh, a lot of our marginalized population just did not get what we call the memo on how to handle their finances um, so I'm and then also how financial empowerment can uh, it, it's, it's about empowerment in general, not just financially, but empowerment in sort of, uh, uh, your, your government and empowering empowerment to your vote, empowering your, your, your people to recognize what local government does. So, you know, I see myself staying in, in this space for a while. Uh, I am reconsidering another run for mayor since I came so close that number 888 is going to haunt me for life. Um, and also, um, just making sure that i build built more partnerships around the country. There's a lot of great work going on in a lot of great cities that we all, we see here at new deal every year when we come to this convening and, you know, just looking at other ideas and bringing them to, to St. Louis, tweaking them for our environment and letting them roll.
0: How do you stay positive uh, about politics? As, as you mentioned, right? Like there's big structural problems in our country. You're in a red state. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, a, uh, it's, we're watching amazing division and gridlock at the national level. So for all the listeners out there who are like, I, you know, I, I like what Tashara's doing, but politics doesn't seem, it, it just seems like it's too hard or too mean. What do you tell people who are thinking that way?
1: Don't be so helpless. Uh, the resistance is at the local level. And as we've seen in a lot of urban cities around the country, uh, you see mayors fighting back against the the administration and finding the resources locally to help their people thrive. Um, And... And and invest locally, you know. Just if you, let the federal government do what it's going to do, but you can control what happens with yourself, with your neighbors. Um, we need to get away from this sort of rugged individualism uh, mentality that the U.S. has had for for years. You know, it's unfair to think that someone can pull themselves up by their bootstraps when they don't have boots. Uh, so we have to make sure that you know, we are controlling our environment locally um, and let the federal government do what it's going to do.
0: Okay. So everyone at home, you heard it. Can't give up. You got to get involved and particularly at the local level. as where... Right,
1: right. I always like to say that elections nine miles away are more important than elections 900 miles away. All politics is local.
0: That is, that is good advice. That is very good advice. Well, Tashara Jones, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you truly make uh, politics an honorable profession. Uh, and I hope, uh, I hope that you're, in a couple years from now, uh, we can be interviewing your son as he runs, uh, makes his run for office after his MBA career right, uh, comes right. to an end.
1: Uh, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to An Honorable Profession. Please subscribe to hear more amazing leaders and keep asking your elected officials to be honorable. Boots Row Group produces this podcast. I'm Ryan Coonerty, and because we're keeping things honorable, no tax dollars were used in the making of this podcast.